just do, I'll just. Good afternoon. This is Michael Vandervoort. We're here on Drive Through HR. It's Wednesday, August 24th of 2022, because in the pre-show we were just discussing nobody knows exactly what year it is still. So <laughs> we're kind of we're kind of on that kind of on that vibe today. So we're we're gonna do a timeless show. But our guest is uh, Deb Muller, Debbie Muller from HR Acuity. Deb, welcome to Drive Through HR. How are you doing today? Thanks. I am doing well. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I've been looking forward to uh, chatting with you for a couple of weeks. We haven't had a chance to catch up much. And and uh, I always like catching up with folks that I know, but also you've got a lot of stuff going on. So I'm, I'm interested to hear kind of about the, the state of the state over at, at HRQD. But before we jump into that, why don't you go ahead and for the benefit of our listeners, introduce yourself and give a little, little bit of your background. Sure. My name is Deb Muller. I am the CEO and founder of HR Acuity. I actually founded HR Acuity way back in 2006 after, I don't even want to say how many years as an HR leader, HR practitioner, because then you'll start adding them up. But um, originally started HR Acuity to conduct workplace investigations for uh, companies, saw a need as a third party, but quickly recognized that there was a void when it came to technology and employee relations. So uh, 2009, we launched HR Acuity. It is the only technology platform specifically uh, available for employee relations and investigations case management. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you... Um... How did you realize that? I mean, I know you worked in employer employee relations and stuff, but how did you kind of come to saying, man, my my new life's calling is I need to create a tech platform to help people manage this stuff? I know it is sort of crazy when I think back. I mean, I um, just to take you back. I went to the Cornell's ILR school. And when I went there, it wasn't because I sort of had this passion for HR. I didn't know what that was at the time. Um but you didn't have to take math and you didn't have to take science. So to me, that was very appealing. So how ironic that here I am as a CEO of a tech company. So I sort of talks about why we need more STEM in the schools for uh, young women to get them on the right path. But, um, you know, I love doing employee relations. It was something that always sort of came back to me. I was the person throughout my career that was sort of opening the drawer and finding sort of, you know, kind of opening Pandora's box and getting involved in investigations. And, and I was good at them and I was inquisitive and I, I don't know, I just, I don't, I don't trust people. I don't know. Um, But when you get good at them, you tend to do more and more of them. So when I decided to start the firm, I felt like there needed to be a process for doing investigations. You know, I am a firm believer that how your investigation, your outcome of your investigation, whether it's an investigation or anything that goes wrong in the workplace, the outcome has so much to do with how you manage the situation, how you handle the situation versus the issue itself. Things happen. Like people don't expect everything to go right. It's how you take care of them when it happens. And so needing that process, um, that was sort of the genesis of HR Acuity as a investigatory firm, but then listening to my clients saying, hey, we need a better way to do this. Um, And so recognizing there was a lack of process in companies um, and also recognizing that there was data that was not being captured that could be really powerful to not only help when an investigation occurred, but really to help organizations get more predictive and identify those sort of leading indicators that something's going wrong. Yeah. No, no. Do you guys still do any of the investigatory stuff or are you strictly a tech platform now? We are strictly a tech platform, which, you know, 
is good for us as an organization. We, but um, sometimes I just, I, I was actually sitting in a meeting with, we had a meeting at Workday. One of our clients brought together several different tech company clients to talk just last week. And they were just talking about what they're doing and some of their issues with investigating. And I was sort of jealous because I missed it, um, missed sort of being the throes of it, but we are strictly a tech company. It, um, you, you know, you said something that it, it, one of the things that always fascinates me and also it simultaneously kind of, I don't know, depresses and or angers me is when you get into like an investigatory type situation, um, and especially if it's harassment and that kind of stuff, I always use the analogy that those cases are like onions, right? You just keep peeling oh. off layer after layer after it seems like, and, and if they're bad, it, it's like they never end. You have to pick up spot and go that we can't go any deeper because, we, you know, it's just, it's never going to stop, which it isn't a great statement, I guess, to make from an HR person. But what, so, but that, that's the kind of stuff that it's makes them, makes them really complex and stuff. And so the question I wanted to angle towards is how does your software system kind of help people manage that? complexity i mean from a couple different levels one by case and then as you alluded to a minute ago the the, the tracking and predictive stuff i'd like to there's a couple questions uh that are, we have a list of questions i'm jumping ahead a couple just because it kind of intrigued me when you mentioned it so can you comment yeah. on that Sure. I mean, I think it's okay. If we look at sort of the individual situation, you're dealing with a harassment case. Look, there's only so many ways to do an investigation, right? A compliant investigation, sort of due diligence, asking questions. So what we try to do is provide, I don't know, one of our, one of our team members calls it sort of like bumpers, right? When bumpers on a, on a when you go bowling, mm -hmm. right? So it sort of keeps you in your lane, but you know, the investigation is going to take different turns or twists, but we want to make sure we have consistency about how we go about it, how we treat the employees, the experience that they have, the data that we're looking at, making sure we're answering certain questions during the investigation to help us come to the findings, because you're right, it can get really unwieldy. And if you don't have that consistency of process, the experience for anybody that's involved in it is not good. And where you get to is may not be the right place. I mean, you know, when you go on vacation, I want to go cross country, I'm going to have a general idea of how to get there. I'm going to have a plan, I might veer from it, but I still want to make sure I get to the outcome at the end. Right. So, so that happens from the individual from the sort of aggregate, when you look at it overall, it, it again, it comes back to that data, right? Do Am I looking at things consistently? Am I dealing with this harassment issue in a similar way, maybe my remediation as I am otherwise? Are there other incidents that might guide what's happening, whether it in, involves the players and uh, that we're dealing with the involved parties? You know, were there other incidents that might give us some information about whether or not this should or shouldn't have happened, should they've known about what happened. Um, so in the investigation itself, it's incredibly powerful. Um, and then looking at the aggregate data for your organization, were there signs that we should have seen beforehand, right? Mm -hmm. Once it gets to an investigation, somebody's harmed in some way, whether there's been a policy violation or not, something happened enough for them to bring it forward. So could we have caught this ahead of time? Are there other things out there that we need to take care of in the organization so this doesn't happen again? Yeah. And, and if I understand correctly, um, your platform is not just a track. I mean, it's not just a tracking system for cases, right? You can, like, you have a bunch of different sort of circumstances that can be entered. So, you don't, you, it's not just for investigations or it's not just for tracking case law, like what's under, what's being managed under privilege or that kind of stuff. You guys, you can track 
I guess, grievances or complaints. Yeah. Can you kind of walk us through some of those elements and tell us a little bit more about the broad application of HR sure. activity? Yeah, let me try to draw a picture. So there's the investigation. That's actually where it started. That was sort of where right. I started when we brought it. But then I started thinking about my own experience. I thought sort of talking to other uh, folks in the HR space and realized that the investigations, again, they happen. But what about what I would call, well, actually, let me use the, the analogy I love. We use this traffic light analogy, right? So every organization for have green lights. Green lights are what you do as an organization to set up how you want your employees to behave, how you expect them to behave when they come in. So we have job descriptions, we have goals and priorities, we have policies and guidelines, all the things that we, we hire someone, this is what we want you to do, and this is how we want you to behave great. And if everybody did exactly what we put on the job description <laughs> and they behaved it, you and I would not be having this conversation, right? right? We know things happen, right? Sometimes they're not good. People do the wrong thing. Sometimes they're just sort of a deviation from the norm. You know, somebody goes out on leave, you know, for whatever reason. So in the course of an employee's life cycle, we have yellow light events, sort of those deviations from the norm. Someone doesn't hit a target and performance. They Maybe they don't violate a policy, but they sort of skirt around it. Maybe they violate it. Things that don't need investigations, but they need to be documented. We need to make sure they're communicated. We need to make sure we take action. Maybe there's a warning. We need to make sure they're aware of the policy. We need to document that. And then, you know, kind of keeping with the analogy, if you keep running through those yellow lights, you're bound to have an accident and have a red light issue. And I would call right. those the investigations, things that if they're not handled can cause more harm to the employees, to the organization, to the community, to the brand, and you have to do them in a structured way. So our software focuses on those red lights, the investigations. We also have our employee relations piece of it where you can just document, typically the HR team is documenting issues, performance issues, warnings that happen along the way, which could be very informative when you do an investigation or could show you an aggregate that there's some policy issues or some other broader training needs in the organization. And then last year, we actually introduced a new product to our suite called Manage Manager, Manage ER. So if you think about the word with a yeah. capital ER, so Manage ER, Manager, we can call it both. Um, and that brings the manager into the process because if you think about it for most employees when they think about who their employer is they're seeing their manager their people leader and so we really have to engage the people leader in the employee relations process more than we're doing now in order to fully understand what's going on in the organization um, so it's when manager comes to hr and says i want to fire someone and they say well where's your documentation and you know the manager doesn't have documentation they, it's on a napkin, it's on a file, they don't know how to do the documentation. This system really helps them, giving them the confidence and the guidelines to document properly, to have those conversations in advance um, before they happen, right? Before they kind of escalate. They do it in collaboration with HR. So you're um, expanding the reach of HR, but you're also giving your managers your tools, which is so critical because that is really, you know, the relationship that's so critical for an employee in the organization. Mm -hmm. um, couple, couple other more specific questions. One yeah. would be, um, so what's your, I, I don't, I'm not asking you to like do a model quote or anything, but like, are you, a, are you software as a service? Are you a monthly subscription model? What's your, yep. how do you work with clients in that way? 
Yeah, no, it's a great question. So we are a software as a service. It's an annual subscription. Um, and we either do it based upon how many user licenses you have, or we'll do it enterprise-wide, and then we'll base it, uh, the pricing based upon how many employees you have, which gives you the ability to really use the product fully. Um, and I would say that our, you know, our smaller organizations, and typically an HR acuity client starts with about a thousand employees. We have a few that are smaller if they're fast growth. Um, you know, I'd say a thousand to 5,7500. They typically use the per user license. It works better for them. But mm -hmm. when you get to have, you know, 20,000, 50,000, 100,000, those are our clients that are using our enterprise license or looking at based upon the number of employees because they want to have everybody uh, typically at that level. You're having a centralized employee relations group. They're focused on the investigations, maybe some of the performance, but you also want to put it in the hands of your HR business partners, your HR generalists. We have our ethics and compliance teams using it as well. When something happens to an employee, they don't care who's managing it, right? Mm -hmm. They want it together. Um, we're seeing that a lot more. Um, I love that because if I am an HR business partner, generalist, specialist, and I'm about to put someone on a performance plan, um, I ha better have some indication if that person just made a whistleblower complaint. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Might exactly. want to pause that. Right. So there's a lot of different ways those, those, those correlate. And obviously, the larger the organization gets, the more complexity there is to those interactions, because sometimes the legal department might be handling a list. Like if you have an HR legal department dedicated, you might not know what's going on over in ER. You know, and I work at a very large, complex organization, and we frequently have to check check in with each other, right? What's going Do you have any any reports on Because we right. don't have a centralized system. And well, I'm we need to the, talk after this. But, <laughs> but, I'm not um, the decision maker, no. But yeah, yeah. But it, I mean, it's it's really a serious, like a very serious problem uh, oh, that m many organizations face. It's so funny because it just hasn't been addressed until now. I mean, we've been addressing it and it's sort of the last bastion of sort of this manual process, yet it's so important and there's so much at risk for not managing it in another way like we would do in our other functional areas. I mean, I remember, you know, our legal team would get a letter from some attorneys about Ed Smith. And then we'd have to sort of go around and say, remember Ed Smith, does that name ring a yeah. bell? Yeah. You're relying on this institutional knowledge of your employees who aren't around all the time. Um, and, and again, we wanted to try to get proactive. We want to start looking at it. One of the things I love about the manager tool linked in with our core product is it gives you those insights about sort of the, and then we'll talk about this later, sort of the environment of the organization. We have organizations spending a lot of money and time on engagement surveys, all good. But how do I know if I'm, you know, if I'm really working on diversity and belonging in my organization, how do I know that I'm treating people the same way? How can I tell that we're giving written warnings out for a certain transgression at the same rate for our male employees versus our female employees or our underrepresented employees versus others? So how do you know that? You don't. But mm -hmm. if you can start looking at that and documenting those things consistently, you can start seeing where you might have issues. You can start seeing, you know, one leader or one region having more issues than others um, ahead of time. So not don't wait until there's an allegation. See where there might be some issues and get ahead of it and really, you know, demonstrate to employees that you're taking care of them. You're trying to you're really demonstrating your commitment to them, to diversity, to ensuring a safe work environment. Yeah. Um I, I, I don't, are there, I'm not asking you to name competitors or, or anything like that, 
but I'm not super familiar with other products besides yours. Are there many of these in the marketplace or, or are you guys kind of a unique animal? Yeah, well, when, when I first started, our main competitor was doing nothing or if you were really fancy, you used Excel. So that was it. Yeah, um, that has really tipped. I mean, about 46% or our benchmark study, and we we're going to mention that later, uh, about 46% of organizations use some type of employer relations technology. So we are really the only one. So our genesis is in HR. You know, one of the things we feel differentiates us, we know differentiates us is how we think about HR in our development and everything we do. Where we come up with competitors is organizations that are using something else that sort of fits the bill. So they might use sort of a ticketing system that IT is using. Well, it's a case, case management. We have case management for this. So, you know, we have case management when your mouse is broken on your computer, use that. Well, if I'm an employee <laughs> and I'm being harassed, I don't really feel so great about use, that they're using the same system for that. It just, as you know, employee relations is nuanced. We're dealing with employees. One situation is never going to be exactly like another. So driving workflows, standard workflows um, just doesn't work. A lot of those systems are really focused on efficiencies. We're focused on effectiveness. How yeah. effective are we in dealing? And I think that's really the difference. Yeah. Ironically, that comment about a ticket actually became an employee relations issue for a major retailer. I won't name them for fear they're a client, but um, it became a hashtag, um, put in a ticket uh, because somebody had called with a concern and that was what they were told and it, they, they did and they waited and it did nothing. And it launched into a, it culminated in a day where there was an online group calling for people to call out sick you know, at, on a particular day at that yeah. employer who runs small, small retail shops and would have had a big, I don't know how massive the impact was, if any, but yeah, that ticket thing isn't the best, not definitely not the best solution. So, yeah. um, I, so anyway, I, I think that's probably enough about HR acuity, you know, sort of in, in the yeah. specifics of it. It's really cool. Um, I, the, the only other thing I could think of is there, I know there are some like legal case manage, like you manage a case, you know, you record all your pleadings and all that kind of stuff if, if in law firms. That's the other thing that I thought was similar. But um, you, you obviously are, you know, despite being a, a software mogul now, um, you are uh, obviously, I I like know. <laughs> no, actually, <laughs> I, I meant to mention some congratulations. You guys just got named to be like one of the fastest growing, I forget what the exact accolade was, but the, the Inc. 5000 small 5, business, right? So what, what was that? What was the, what was the recognition fastest growing? And yeah, it's part of the fastest growing. They look at revenue growth, um, over three years. And so we were really excited. Um, this was the first year we had decided to, you know, participate, but we are in that list, uh, with along with a lot of other great organizations. So it's exciting. We're growing fast. Um, we have, you know, I have a great team to thank for that, but it's also a lot to do what's going on in the environment, Shane, and mm -hmm. we're going to talk more about that sort of it's, it's just different. Yeah, it, it, it definitely is. And that's kind of where we're going to, I'm going to go next, uh, yeah. both in the interests of time and also to cover kind of the, some important information. So I was going to say, it's very obvious that you you, are, you remain very passionate about ER. Um, you do a lot of work with communities. We're going to talk a little bit about that as well. Um, and, and that's kind of how I got to know you through your extent, the, all the work you do yes. with HR acuity and sharing of knowledge. But you guys just, you guys just did, uh, I guess, I think it was your sixth annual report. Maybe I got that year 
year wrong, but I think it was 60 annual and it's a benchmark data report on kind of like the state of employee relations. And, and it's 38 pages and I got it yesterday and I had looked at it previously, but I didn't read it in its entirety. So I'm hoping you can kind of give us a, a summary of what the state of labor or I'm sorry, employee relations looks like right now, kind of what's happening, what's hot, what's changing. Yeah, so this is a study we've been doing. This is our sixth study where we really looked at benchmarks. For years before that, we were doing sort of more of a qualitative, shorter survey, um, some of the same questions. But what happened was, you know, around 2015, we really were our clients, our community, which we'll talk about, was starting to ask, like, what does good look like? What, you know, we're really starting to form. Employee relations was starting to come out from behind the corners. Um, when I did employee relations, it wasn't like a function. It was just right. something you did. It was, it was a thing that knocked on your door at five o'clock, you know, before your vacation on a Friday with, you know, someone in tears. <laughs> um, and you did it sort of under this cloak of confidentiality. No one knew what you were doing. And then when you were done, you sort of just went back to doing what you were doing. So it's really employee relations has changed. It is emerging as a function. And we started bringing the community together and realized we had to start getting a little bit more serious about benchmarks to help the community back in 2015. So we're excited. Uh, we had, oh, I'm going to get these wrong. Um, I know that we have the, the, the survey covers about five and a half million employees, right? So only one company for one person for each company takes it. So we, we also partner with an outside research firm to really kind of like uh, make sure that we're looking at the data in a statistically significant way. So um, this year, and, and it is, you're right, it is free to download at our website, hrqd.com. So we're not going to get to all of it. But what did we find out this year? It's been sort of, we've had a weird couple of years. You know, we had mm -hmm. two, we had the pandemic. Like, what does that mean for the numbers? So a couple of things. We've, we're, we're finding now that things are standardizing, right? How people structure themselves as employer relations teams is standard. It's either centralized. Some form of centralization is really um, critical. And, and I will say that uh, to take the survey, you have to have at least a thousand employees. So we, okay. and it goes everywhere. And you can look, it's really wide range, but we have some very large and the majority are, are um large enterprises. Um, so standardization of that is happening. You know, how people intake their cases is becoming standardized um, as they're looking at things. So we're beginning to see that, which is really good. It's, you know, we're looking at sort of how many cases per thousand employees for different types is really, so you can actually, as an organization, go in, and if you know the number of cases you have, you can kind of get a sense of where you are. Do I have more harassment cases than others? Do I have more performance cases? So it really gives a great benchmark. Um, but we did see a few things that either were interesting or maybe concerning. Um, unionization. One of the things we ask about is what is your employee relations team chartered with? How is that changing versus sort of the traditional things? And unionization, employee relations teams that are now kind of responsible for union activity was up 10 points, which is significant in our yeah. study. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, I guess we're sitting here like, I guess it's not a big surprise, right? Unions, mm -hmm. we talked about that at all, you know, sort of this uprising, this new uprising of the new union is here. Uh, my concern for that, we'll watch how that goes, is are employee relations professionals skilled for managing with unions? Uh, many of them are in this career, you know, in a time when unions were not that prevalent. So most of their career, you know, if they're in finance or tech, traditionally non labor organizations don't have that background and now all of a sudden they have to manage it and even if you did have a strong labor background the unions of today are looking different right 
the types of employees, the way that they're organizing. So, you know, so the question is, you know, are we prepared for it? You know, what can organizations be doing? So I thought that was interesting and something we're continuing to explore with our clients and with our community. Um, the other thing that is interesting is what's going to happen next? We saw some different changes in data during COVID uh, with how people were um, using investigation practices, whether they were required certain practices when an investigation happened, how they were training people. And we haven't seen those numbers come back up. So it is concerning right now, I'm just looking at the number if I have it, only 43% of organizations actually follow a required process for investigations. So if we look at the environment, um, this was up, it was, I think it was about 55 pre-COVID and we were, it was starting to go up and we were excited about that and then it dipped down and stayed down there. Um, so we see this sort of area of employee activism. Uh, it's rising to new heights. Employees are sort of um, requiring that employers sort of do things differently now or really coming forward with that. You know, why aren't we having a requirement for investigations the way that we conduct an investigation in an organization? Why is it sort of like guidelines? You know, maybe do this, uh -huh. maybe do that. Uh, from my perspective, these are your most critical resources, your human resources. You want to make sure if something's going wrong that you can fix it or you can remediate it just like you would anything else. If there's something going wrong with um, materials that you're using to build something, if there's a defect or, or a concern about it, you would have a required way to go through it. And we're just not giving our employees that same level of consistency um, that we do with everybody else. So we saw that. We also saw um, less than half I think it was like, oh, actually, well, if I do the other side, I think it was 65%, so two-thirds of organizations are not training their investigators or only mm -hmm. do so as needed. And again, very different world. I mean, I've been in this business for a while. You have too, Michael. Yeah. But, you know, it's so different. So if we're not sort of keeping up with that, how we speak about different things in our organization, how people present themselves in investigations, what their expectations are is so different. And so if we're not making sure that we're training our employee relations and our investigations team, how can we expect our managers um, or frontline workers to know what to do or what to expect? Yeah. Um, so that was, that was, you know, that I don't say it's upsetting, but we're watching it. You know, we're watching sort of directionally, are these things going to change? Yeah, and it's a little it's a little bit of a cautionary tale for employers too. And and I think I I, I keep hearing, you know, anecdotally a couple different things that are aligned with that same thing. We they you know, we cut back, we couldn't be together face to face, we were, you know, dispersed to our homes. So um, one is I, you know, like we see it in the struggle of return to work, right? People don't want to come back. And there's, I mean, that's becoming a serious employee relations issue in some companies right now. And it probably will remain that way for a while. And the outcome is either going to be companies capitulate or the, the CEO says, no, screw it. You know, if you don't want to work here, then we'll find someone, you know, at some point, right? But anyway, hopefully that it doesn't get there. But I keep hearing that like a lot of companies in the haste of trying to just deal with COVID and the absences and the demand and the shift in, you know, stuff that they needed to deliver, they just sort of abdicated on a lot of their policies. They just were like, just do the work, you know, and now two years later, plus they're trying to reassert like a more normative environment and managers and employees are not Re reacting well they're like everybody's fighting a little bit right so it's not it's not necessarily malicious it's just we change things and now it's tough to put them back the way they were and we're still trying to sort that out and then right and go ahead well, the data is so important to like 
it's like, you could just say, well, my gut, it tells me, but look at the data. And then do we yeah. need to change our policies? You know, what's not working, what's important to us or what do we want to give in on? Um, but you got to track it. You have to know um, what's going on. The other thing we did find out in the study is that employee relations resources are not getting larger. Like employees are not, it doesn't look like they didn't, they stayed about the same last year. There's no indication they're going to go up. So all these things are happening, you know, being thrown at employee relations, unionization, work from home. And now we're going back to, do we not require vaccines to, you know, that never ends. Um, so what are we doing? So, you know, again, how do we, how do we expand our resources to let our managers do more, right? Yeah. If, we're just not going to, you know, how do we make ourselves able to do more when, when the resources are not going to expand? And, and then the other thing that cracks me up is now we're in the, in the moment of like weekly viral panic over the latest HR trend. This week is quiet quitting, yes. which people have yes. been doing forever, you know, yes. <laughs> but suddenly everyone right. is like, oh no. And, and right. you know, I, I, I mean, I suppose maybe more are realistically, but it, you know, it's not a new phenomenon. It's just a new name and it's trendy, but we're, we're <laughs> seeing right. kind of almost like amplification of, of a scare factor or something. So hopefully we'll, we'll calm down, but I don't know. Let's uh, in the interest of time, I could, you know, I could ramble all over with you because we're nerds about this stuff, but um, let's switch from the, the benchmark survey. So that's some great data. I, I actually would suggest taking a look at it. It's really, it's got some really great trend data in there. Let's talk about um, the community aspect of what you guys do at HR Acuity. And there's a couple of things you do. One is you have an online community and then you run some East Coast, West Coast round tables. So it's a, it's a really cool way to reach out not only to your clients, but I think you also include non-clients as well. So I'd love to hear Absolutely. a little bit more about that and how people, if they're interested, might find their way to those spaces. Yeah, again, it sort of all happened back in around 2015. We started getting a lot of calls into HR Acuity about conferences. Was there a conference for, for employee relations? And of course, Q has their conference, but there wasn't a whole lot. And we thought, well, should we do a conference? And, I, and, and at that point, I'm like, you know what? We are emerging. I know we have these employee relations leaders who just feel very alone because this, this, this category, this function is coming into its own. Let's just bring them together and see if, if, if they, if it helps to bring them together. So it was one of those field of dreams, you know, if you invite them, maybe they'll come. Um, so our first employee relations round table was in 2015. We got a space, we got a square, not a round table. Uh, we got mics, the, the, um, the instructions were there were no PowerPoints, no, no computers. We just set up different sessions and it was really an amazing day. People came in just thinking like, oh my God, like I found my people. Like right. there's other people that are going through this. It's a stressful job when, you know, you're trying to be strategic, but really you're just dealing with all the problems coming into you all day. Um, and so from there, people just wanted more. So we expand, continue to expand our roundtables in length and in, um, and we're in number over the years. Um, we're so excited that this year we're back in person. We did two virtual ones. The employee relations roundtables are exclusively for leaders because we really want to have that level of conversation. They're small. I think we have about less than 50 people because we want to have that 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 table that everybody can sit at and talk. We have one that is in Westchester um, in September. Uh, we call it our East Coast, but any industry can come. You don't have to be in the East Coast to go there. <laughs> um, and it is on the 20th. God, I hope I'm going to get this right. The 27th and the 28th, but you can go to our, our website and see that uh, and sign up for that. And then we have um, 
our West Coast one, which is in beautiful San Diego. We are so fortunate to be having that at one of our clients. So Qualcomm is graciously hosting us for that one. That is on October 19th and 20th. And then for the first time this year, something we had planned to do and had to cancel in 2020, uh, we are having our first EMEA roundtable. And that is on November 15th in Dublin and mm. also being hosted by one of our clients at LinkedIn. So we're really excited. That'll be a one day event. It's the first one. And we're really excited to, so if you're interested in attending, please go to our website. You can fill out a registration form. They will fill up quickly. Um, so we were doing that for a while. Then the roundtable members, very active. We started doing quarterly calls with them because they didn't want to wait just right, once a year right, to get right. to talk. So we would sort of get some topics and we do these great quarterly calls. Um, and then they wanted more people involved. And look, we love this community. It helps power us. And you're right. We do invite people that aren't clients. We want to bring the community together because, you know, selfishly, we listen to them and that drives a lot of our product innovation. Um, so that that's really important to us. Um, and it's also something sort of that's near and dear to my heart. Mm -hmm. So in 2021, we launched Empower. So Empower ER at the end, Empower, right, my accent there. Mm -hmm. uh, it is a free online community specifically for employee relations professionals at any level. You can join. There are subgroups in it that you can join. The live feed is phenomenal. Uh, people are asking questions all the time, which is great. What's really incredible is that they're getting answers, really uh, in-depth answers, people sharing policies, people getting on calls with other people. Um, we also do discussion sessions. We were just talking that right now I'm actually missing one, unfortunately, right. but there's a discussion session going on in power right now. Um, and you can access it through the community um, on the Roe v. Wade um just overturning about Roe v. Wade and the Dobbs decision and the impact that that's having. Mm -hmm. And I don't think we have a lot of answers, no. but together we're at least hearing what other companies are contemplating, how they're working with it. Um, we operate through the Chatham House rule. So what, what's said there stays there. You can't go and say, oh, this company does this and that. So people feel very open to talk. Um, also in the Empower community, we have a very active job board. So if you're looking for someone, you can post there for free, an employee relations job. Uh, if you're looking for your next opportunity, it's a great place to go and find employee relations opportunities. So we're, um, we have over, I think it's close to 3,000 members right now in that. Mm -hmm. uh, we have about 300 members in our roundtable of leaders. And uh, just please join. It is free. It's empower-er.org. Thanks. Um, yeah, I can attest. I don't go there a lot, but it, uh, I've I've hung around there for a while, and it, it's a great community, and it's really useful if you're in employee relations, and even if you work in the labor relations space, because so much of the stuff trends over. Um, and I heard a rumor, Michael. Yeah, that you are going to be a panelist on a upcoming. I don't think we have a date yet. Yeah, I'm, I'm working. On, I'm working on okay. that. Yeah, no, uh, yeah. The first of all, uh, I told your folks. Uh, yeah, you guys, you guys did ask, and I and I appreciate the invite. I I have some work uh, project stuff that all I right, all right. We won't hold you to it. Yeah, but if not, I promised I would refer someone who would awesome. uh, who would would be well equipped to 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 handle it. Great. So no, but yeah, yeah but I uh, to do. You know, what's the topic? How do we get people? You know, whether you would in, invite somebody else that are sort of in the moment or doing something different to come talk to our community, because yep. there's a lot of things that none of us have real answers for, 
but at least if we can hear from different people, it helps us find some direction. Well, and like like what we would be talking about is some of the new organizing, um, some of the some of the trends there, some of the you know things that are driving it because it's different. Um, for example, Deb, I'll just drop a nugget that might wind up there somehow, whether I do it or not. Uh, a lot of the organizing that's happening today especially is in retail and service sector, traditionally oh, yeah. non-unionized or lightly unionized in industry sectors. And it's really being driven by independent unions or independent organizations of, made up of employees that work for an employer like Trader Joe's or Starbucks. And, and it's largely Gen Z or millennial um, people driving the, so, I mean, if like, like at the company I work for, we're something like 60% Gen Z or millennial in our work, you know, so, I mean, just that simple fact makes our risk higher and how Absolutely. we treat our people, you know? So, I mean, so, I mean, just talking about data, you know, that's the kind of data you need to look at just real simple stuff anyway, but yes. So we'll see how that turns out. Uh, if I don't do it, like I said, I got a couple people in mind that would fill in. Awesome. So, I know um, I'm we're close to running over time. I want to be mindful of that. Um, this has been a really great discussion. I, like I said, I love catching up with folks I know, and it's been a while for you and I, but I think the product is, is really cool. And I've, I've always been fascinated by how you guys have been developing as a business. So congratulations on the success to wrap up. Um, could you, I know you mentioned the website, but can you do it one more time? And then if you want to share, like if you're on Twitter or something, any, any contact info that way, just tell folks where yeah. they might so find out more. The best way, yeah. The best way to find out more is to go to our website, hrqd.com. From there, you can go into our resources section and you'll see uh, how to get to the round table registration. I think it's an, actually, if you go on the website, there's something that says ER community right on the top mm -hmm. and you can get to the empower community from there. If you forget the URL, but it is empower-er.org, but you can get there from our website, so hrqd.com. You can also get to the round table page from there as well. And if you go to our resources section, you'll see now live six annual employee relations benchmark study, and you can download that. I also encourage you, if you like the benchmark study, it only gets better when we get more people to participate. So if you are an employee relations uh, for a company with at least a thousand employees, let us know. We uh, collect the data in the first quarter and we, um, we publish it in the second quarter. So let us know, we'll make sure that you get involved, but uh, would love to see lots of new folks from here uh, in the Empower community and on the feed. Yeah, you know, and Deb, that reminds me, I had one other question I wanted to ask. It's not super important, but it, uh, I like when we talk to, when we talk to software providers, I like to kind of get, can you tell us your, I know you, you mentioned a couple big companies that you deal with. Can you tell us what your typical client looks like? Yeah. So, um, you know, what I say is employee bad behavior does not discriminate. So we are, uh, we have a broad range of sizes and industries. Um, you know, we have clients that are on the smaller side. I'll just kind of name a few that maybe will resonate. Uh, Magnolia. So Chip and Joanna Gaines out in Waco, mm -hmm. Texas. They're sort of smaller from an employee relations standpoint, but growing really fast um, and really needing to um, to look at how they're doing things. Um, and then we have all the way up through Verizon, one of our larger clients with 100 and I don't even know, 150, 190,000 employees. So it really, everybody uses the system a little bit differently. We like to say there's this sort of employee relations journey and we find you where you are and we're gonna kind of take you through that in sort of you know accelerating and becoming more prominent and looking at data. You know, Some people, it's the first time they're doing something. So we get you in there, we help you to start tracking and documenting and 
really honing the skills. And some of our other clients are much more into the analytics and the insights and really understanding what's driving things. We'll get everybody there, but we take them all where they are because they're so different. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I want to thank you uh, on behalf of myself and Drive Through HR for doing the show. I really appreciate it. It was a great conversation. Um, I'm going to go ahead and end end the recording, and the show will drop uh, either later this afternoon or tomorrow. I'll send you the link. But thanks for being on. Thanks Drive so much. Have a great yeah, this day. Great. Thanks, Michael.